Welcome to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and joining me, I have a special guest, a young woman that I went to college with at Miami University, and since that time, she has gone on to write for so many different organizations, so many different platforms, and be a consultant in the media market. She's written for Seventeen, Essence, who else? The Source. USA Today. USA Today, everybody. And I'm excited to have Sam on today because she has a very powerful story. So, Sam, I've got some questions for you that are going to be impactful and challenging, meaningful, and significant because that's the point of the Dash podcast. That's what we're here for. Every day is to provide some tips and tools that are going to help with our dash. And the dash is what happens with your life. There's the day you're born, there's the day you die, and there's the decisions you make in between. So why is it that you do what you do? We've, we've talked about a lot of things, but why do you do what you do at the end of the day? Um, at the end of the day, I like to inform people. I like to make sure people have, we always talk about people having access to resources, but we never talk about people having access to news, mm. which I think is just as important as resources, as tangible resources like money, textbooks, healthcare, all that stuff that we talk about that people have unfair access to. Mm. Also the news, being the first to know, being enlightened on what's going on in the world, um, what's going on in your community. I feel like people need to know that things that I like being able to deliver that to them, whether it be, you know, something as vain as beauty, which I do do beauty coverage, but whether <laughs> it's as important as politics too, um, and knowing what's going on in the community, I feel like people should have access to information. Um, and people don't think that, but mm. that's how I feel like I can contribute. And so doing that through writing, um, I love to do that. Well, that sounds, I mean, especially with all this fake news talk, in the, the new administration and that, that that's a perspective you know as someone who's not a journalist I do have some journalist friends but I'm not a journalist so thinking about that and access to to news and to media that's that's a perspective that I haven't thought of before um, when did you think when did you figure out that that was your calling um, well I, I really found out that perspective of course in college when you think about news and what that means on a socio level on uh, political level. I've always loved to write, so I mean, ever since I was younger, I knew that I liked to write, but how I actually wanted to use that interest came about Mm. um, in college. And the platform's different, like I'm not a big hard news person, Um, like I don't write, you know, for the news outlets or like (laughs) routers or AP or anything, Um, but still I do like to provide some educational resources mm. for people just maybe in a more conversational way not yeah. as you know solid and to the point as hard news is yeah do you think what's um do you think you're solving the pain with your work because i i see you you write frequently i think i saw three or four articles that were out today and three or more that were yesterday and, and it's consistent you're you're constantly putting out content and work and value to people um where do where do your your topics and your kind of inspiration to do so much writing um, and to spread because it's different lanes too you have entertainment beauty hair you have different lanes so where does where does your drive come from um it really just comes from my interest um personally I'm a person with a lot of different interests um I just like to learn I guess you can say student of life I'm the type of person if I don't know something I'm going to go research it and find mm. out you know what it is why it's happening um, even if I'm not, you know, an expert in it, right. like my least favorite subject, 
I would say is science and math. Not because <laughs> I dislike it, but because I'm not passionate about it per right. se. Um, but you know, I still make sure I'm up to date on stuff I need to know within those fields. Mm. I'm not completely ignorant when it comes to those subjects. It's not a passion of mine. Um, but those are things people need to know. So I'm just one of those naturally curious people. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where that comes from. And it doesn't—it doesn't seem like you waste—you waste any time in things that you're not passionate about. Is that? Would you say that's about right? That's true. I've learned, you know, you can't get time back, so you mm. may as well just do what you love, um, even if it's for a moment. Passions can change. You can like stuff one second and not like it the next. Mm. You know, but if it interests you in that moment, you should act on it. Um, so that's what I try to do. Is that a mindset that you have adopted over time? Or do you feel like that's that's something that, that's a kind of mindset that you've always had? I think it's a mindset I've adopted over time. Um, in the past, I used to be so focused on the future. Mm. Um, and I think our education system kind of promotes that way of thinking, you know, goal setting, thinking about your future, thinking about your career. And what do you, you mean know, by have, in the past? I'm sorry. Before, what, yeah, um, in the past, I mean, you know, Middle school, high school, okay. just as a, a kid and a young adult, even. Okay. Um, we always we condition people to always think ahead, think mm. of the future, and that's important. But it's also important to really appreciate the now, um, to live in the current moment, because I feel like if you don't, you become kind of disconnected from reality, um, in a way. And I felt like I was doing that. I was always. I wasn't really mm. living in my moment. I was always appreciating it in retrospect yeah. but I could never really appreciate it when I was in the moment so I've, I've learned to take everything kind of one day at a time and really relish the life I'm living now and not be mm. so um, pressed about the life I'm trying to create or always you know look back longingly on yesteryear like yeah. I want to appreciate life as I live it. Gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah. Um, is there something that happened that kind of opened your eyes up to being grateful for today and the fact that you rolled out of bed by yourself? Um, you mean as far as? Um, just like, you know, an aha moment. Was there a, like, wow, I need to start, I need to stop thinking so far ahead. I need to stop looking behind me. I need to start living right now. Is there something, is there a in a click moment for you that you can think of? Yeah, it was kind of, it wasn't a specific scenario, but I would always have people tell me, um, you know, how proud they were of me, you know, for reaching different goals and mm. all the great things I was doing. But in my mind, I felt like I wasn't doing enough, um, that I had more things to accomplish. I needed to keep going. But then, you know, just one day I just thought, you know, I really have done some great things. Like, yes, I have all these things that I want to accomplish. Um, professionally and personally mm. but you know I have done you know some great things and I was I think I, I put pressure on myself to do more and more and more and keep going 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 mm. um, and I just sat back like okay you're going to wear yourself out trying to do everything right now um, yeah. you know pace your life life is to be paced it's a with the thing it's a you know it's, it's not a marathon right whatever. yeah <laughs> well it is so, a marathon it is a marathon right. it's not a uh, it's not a sprint you gotta take right. your time go. patience yes and so yeah patience I realized I didn't have patience and patience is really key if you're gonna at least enjoy your day to day and not be so worried mm. um, about what's next um, and so there wasn't really a specific scenario in which that clicked it was just right. For my inner peace, I guess, I realized that that 
was something that I needed to learn how to do was to have patience. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, I'm still working on it. Of but course. I'm starting to notice, you know. The difference. Yeah. Is there a, um, is there a motto or a saying or is there like a... Is there a mod, is there something that you say to keep you going? I, I like to say facilitating purpose or to make easier your reason for doing, um, create opportunities. Those are some things that I say to, to keep me driving. Is there a moniker or something that you use to keep you focused? Mm-hmm. Um, I think going with the appreciation of the present moment. Okay. Um, I kind of say today is the tomorrow that we hoped for yesterday. Mm. Um, so mm. that's one of my favorite Ooh. quotes. I, I credit myself with making that up. I <laughs> Someone probably said some version no, of that we, before. We're going to give you the credit for that one. I give, I've never yes. heard it anywhere else. But I like, I like to think that, you know, there's always going to be the past, um, the present, and hopefully the future. Mm. And just remember that today was the future that you had been hoping wow. for. And to relish that. So wow. that's kind of my little daily affirmation. Okay, I like it. What about your past? What you've been through in the past has brought you to where you are right now. Um, I think I've always kind of been an independent person, meaning I'm self-driven in a lot of different ways. I grew up with my aunt. My mother passed away when I was younger. My father wasn't around. Um, So I kind of was just not left to my own devices, but I just was more independent emotionally mm-hmm. um, and just in a lot of different ways. And it's always taught me to be a self-starter. Um, so self-confidence hasn't actually been an issue of mine because okay. I always had to rely on that. Okay. So yeah, I think independence, I think we often talk about independence, especially when it comes to women being a bad thing. Mm. not needing people but that's not what it means like of course I needed people I had people Yeah. but just internally that independence inside yeah. my emotional stability didn't really rely on anyone else right um, and I think that's got me here thus far yeah yeah I, I agree I'm, I'm a big um I'm a big believer that what the pain of your past is the fuel for your purpose, or that pain is purpose in general. And and if you look at if you look at the things that that hurt the most, um, and and it's unfortunate how unfortunate a lot of times they are. Whether it's a lost love, um, intimately or physically or spiritually, uh, a lost job, a lost friend, a lost whatever. And then we could take lost in many interpretations, but. Um, one of those worst feelings is is losing something. So, in in one of the articles you wrote for Seventeen, you had a beautiful quote that said, "You would sit, I would sit and look through the picture albums and wonder how different my life would have been if my mother were still living, um, because your mother passed from a brain aneurysm, correct?" And then um, what what caught me is as powerful as that statement was. The next statement that you said was, "It was interesting growing up." without both parents in my life, though in retrospect I was blessed by not having them around. Um, Can you tell me, because that's a very powerful statement and I feel like I understand pieces of it in spirit, but I don't understand the interpretation. Can you you interpret that for me? Yeah, so my parents' relationship um, when they were together wasn't the healthiest. Um, They were, you know, they fought a lot. Uh, my father was a bit abusive toward my mother. Um, and so I think, in retrospect, I think that if they had 
if my mother had stayed alive, that they had maintained their relationship, that I wouldn't have grown up mm. in a healthy environment because I did living with my aunt. She was a single parent, but, um, you know, the household was a healthy environment to live in. Um, her kids kind of acted as um, brothers and sisters uh, for my brother and I. They are significantly older than us. They're 20, it's 20 years difference between wow. my older cousins and myself. So they kind of were the big brother, big sister um, influence. And I think, and so I mean, you know, in retrospect, I think if they had stayed together, it wouldn't have been the best. Um, because their their relationship wasn't the best, and that's just the reality of it. I mean, right. you know, you don't want to talk that way about you know someone who's yeah. star relationship that failed, but that's the truth. And mm-hmm. so sometimes you know everything happens for a reason. Um, and I think I probably wouldn't be who I am today right. if I had grown up in the environment in the way it was projected to go mm-hmm. when their relationship was mm-hmm. right. Um, and so that's what I meant by that line there. Yeah, and that's a very I think that. I think that summarizes living right now um, and not living in the past or even thinking far ahead because um, something that that traumatic or, or to know the story, your story, the way that you know your story, nobody's been through what you've been through the way that you've been through it. So, and that can be crippling to a lot of people. Um, and that's, you know, if, if we look at percentages, I don't know what they are, but I, if I had to guess, I would say the majority of people would be crippled by um, something similar that has happened to them. I know that I have not been through um, things even close to that and, and how hurt or broken that I have felt. So to bounce back from that or to, to, to grow from that and continue to grow and see um, the gratitude that you have from it um, is pretty powerful to see. Now is there in telling your story and sharing that because I, I believe that that probably had to, was it hard to tell? Um, it it was on paper, I think, um, you know, I probably shared it with close friends and close family, but right. to share it on a platform like that or to try to articulate that for a platform like that, it did mm-hmm. take a lot more um, reflection and introspection than I'm used to. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things, once it's out, it's out, and you kind of feel relieved. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I think mental health... Um, and emotional stability is something that gets overlooked. I've seen the, um, the the interview on the Breakfast Club with the two brothers that were on there talking about um, about mental health. One was a doctor and one was the patient in psychology. And I believe the young man was struggling with bipolar disorder or had struggled with bipolar disorder. Um, and, and mental health is an issue that we only think it's crazy or it's this or that. Um, but you mentioned that you had been to a doctor. Was it a psychologist? Yeah. Consistently for about seven years um, during that time, not necessarily because something happened, but to maintain that stability and gain um, emotional intelligence. Can you talk about um, mental health and, and psychology and what that has done for you and how that's affected you today? Yeah, so right after my mother's death, they kind of immediately started me to seeing um, a psychologist, not because I was acting out or anything, but just because they thought that would be. Um, you know, the best thing to do to nurture an emotionally stable person after something traumatic like that happened. And actually, my older cousin, um, mom's daughter, is a, a school psychologist herself, and it was actually her recommendation. She said, gotcha. well, I think we should probably get, you know, Samantha in the counseling and, you know, just start to maybe help her flesh out maybe what she's thinking going through just so this doesn't turn into something. Right. Um, and I 
ended up being like a part of a case study to see how parental death would affect a child. Wow. Um, and I was never like diagnosed with anything, you know, it's not like they saw some type wow. of, you know, diagnosable mental illness, but I do think it helped that I went and I just had that space to share and flesh it out. Yeah. Um, cause I think maybe if I didn't, it would be something that was repressed um, or I couldn't talk about, but since I've been able to so freely, you know, talk about it with someone for so long, I don't have any um, repressed feelings about it, and I'm not triggered, right. you know, by any of it. Which is why I think I can articulate it, whether it's in conversation mm-hmm. um, or even on paper, like I did for that essay. Right. Um, so I think it's I think it's really important. You know, people always think you have to seek. Um, we call it help, but it's not even help. It's yeah. really a safe space. Yeah. Um, once something already happened. But you really don't. I think if you, you know, take those precautionary measures, just like you do with your regular health, mm-hmm. um, you exercise and eat right to prevent something from happening. You don't try to do that after, after. the yeah. ailment has already came. And I think we should apply the same kind of, we should approach mental health the same way. Yeah, for sure. Um, are there practices that you would say you still use today or do today that would that help you mental health-wise or help you mentally, emotionally? Yeah. Um, so, in addition to seeing the counselor for all those years, I no longer see one, um, just because, you know, I kind of stopped. I feel like I should. I feel like everyone should have someone they can talk to that's outside of their friend and family circle. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, I always also, I kept a journal, a diary, um, I was very transparent in that, um, just getting those feelings out on paper, and I think maybe that's because I like to write, I like to do that, some people, you know don't like to articulate their feelings in that way but journaling helps um i'm very open with people i I have conversations you know on the topic a lot sometimes some people are like oh i can't believe you know that you could talk about death like that or your family Mm. like that but you know it's again it's not something i'm triggered by so i'm always open to have conversation with people about stuff like that um so those are the two main things i think having people to communicate with and then also for me at least journaling Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Okay. Okay. Um, that's that's deep because, or that's cool because I think there's, I didn't realize how many practices that I do, you know, similar, I, I write in journals myself, um, and I frequently say that I take time to meditate and pray and just be and kind of sit. And those are, those are practices because I realize, um, especially as a man, you know, to say I get emotional or that if I'm not, if I'm not taking time to ground myself daily, whether it's for 15 minutes or if it's an hour, um, if I'm not taking the time to ground myself, then I'll get stressed and I'll snap on somebody or I'll, I'll just kind of get out of myself, just be stressed and let the world get to me and get caught in the rat race. So I think having a release, a practice um, to get flesh things out of your mind, as you said, um, goes a long way to growing yourself. Now, how do you think that, how do you think your awareness of your emotions and your intelligence um, of yourself, you know, you, you mentioned your self-confidence earlier, I believe, um, how has that helped you grow on your path in journalism? Um, I think that it's helped me, I don't have a fear of rejection or failure mm. uh, because I don't see it as an ending point. Ooh. Um, another kind Ooh. of affirmation that I use professionally, you asked about like kind of personal one earlier, but professionally my affirmation is no doesn't mean never, it just means not now. Mm. Um, and so I don't fear failing, I don't fear having to try again to do something because I don't take those things personally, I don't internalize those 
self-esteem that yeah. I internalized failure. Because uh, I've definitely failed before on professional levels, stuff that I've done, you know, or stuff that's been beyond my control. Mm-hmm. Um, been rejected uh, professionally, you know, from publications or pieces or whatever. But I don't, you know, some people will take that and just never try again, never do it again. Um, some might even, you know, drop, abandon the field totally. Yeah. But I never... I never took it that personally. I was just like, okay, back to the drawing board. What do I need to do? How do I reapproach this? How do I try again? Um, and so I think really being open with myself because I'm able to realize my flaws. Like I know in certain yeah. situations what I did that was wrong, what I could have done better, what I should have done better. Um, and if I don't, I ask. You know, <laughs> if, you know, if there was something I feel like I should have gotten and I really can't, in my mind, I really can't see why I didn't, I'll ask them. Like, okay, you know, Thanks for the opportunity. Would you mind giving me feedback on what I can improve on or why this was rejected? You know, I'm not afraid yeah. to face to face the criticism too, because it's one thing to be rejected, but most people aren't going to turn around and be like, okay, you know, why? What did I do? Like, <laughs> you know, not only did you reject right. me, but now you're about to tell me all the things that I mm. that. Um, but I do that too, just because in my mind I think it is. You know, it's just a chance to improve. You know. I'm a person, if you tell me what I need to do, I'll do it. Yeah. If I don't know how to do it, if you tell me how, I'll, I'll do it. it. Yeah. So. Don't, don't tell me, don't ask me what I do, tell me what you need. Uh, right. And, I, and I'll find a way to make that happen. I know I'm, I'm a person myself. I love, I love challenges. I love being challenged. Um, and I, and I, I'm almost opposite of you from the standpoint that when I was, and I'm saying opposite, I don't know this to be factual, so forgive me if I'm wrong. When I was young, I'm, I've always been very sensitive. If I did something wrong and my mom walked around the corner, I was gonna start crying before she asked me the question because I knew I did something wrong already. Um, so, but but growing up, I learned to take, and my favorite story to tell is, is how my dad told me I sucked after my junior season of football, and it hurt. But that's kind of the time I feel like when I learned to take Rejection, you know, I'm going to put that in quotations because it wasn't a rejection. It was the truth. Um, and, and started to use that to my advantage and start to go towards failure and try to fail as much as I can and try to go towards fear, too, and do it anyway. Um, is there, what, what kind of failures have you had in your life or rejections that say, ah, thought you had me, I'm going to keep on going? What are some of your favorite fears and failures that you have overcame? Um, favorite fears. I'm not too fearful of anything per se, but failures definitely. Like right out of college, when I was trying to get um, journalism work, because in college the internships and things that I had was kind of from people I knew. I didn't have to work too hard to get them. Mm. Um, you know, I had great recommendations and stuff from people that I had worked with before, and so me getting internships was relatively easy. But getting jobs, on the other hand wasn't that easy and I was just approaching it all wrong um, down to how I was, and this is a journalism thing but right. down to how I was pitching articles who I was mm. pitching them to um, it was just, it was a hot mess and you know, today you know I feel like if if I received some of the stuff that I had sent people I would tell them no too um, <laughs> but I, I was just approaching it all wrong and um, most of the people, you know, were nice about it. They rejected me in a nice way. But I had this one editor who just really just went off on me. Like, mm. you know, next time you, you know, she basically told me to come correct. Like, you know, right. not only is this a no, you're not qualified for this. Blah, wow. blah, you wow. also didn't come correct. So don't talk to me again until you have it together. Mm. I was like, oh, shiz. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, that stung a little bit. Yeah. I never had anyone talk to me like that before. 
Um, and so I kind of backed away from them for a while, that publication. Uh, I didn't send them anything to pitch to them. And then fast forward a couple of years later, they actually reached out to me to start contributing because mm. they had kind of kept up with my work. Right. Um, so it was kind of one of those revenge yeah. slash success stories. Yeah. Um, and I, I won't call them out because I still work for them. But <laughs> when I wanted to work for them initially, like it was just really, really bad. Mm. Um, the way the editor had come at me. But then they actually reached out to me yeah. to start working for them. So it was one of those things. I think that's the best one. Mm. Um, but I can say that, you know, I was wrong. Right. The way I, I had handled it was not even that it was wrong, but it was very unprofessional. Yeah. Um, and so that made me stronger because then I really researched, like, okay, what is the correct way to approach mm. these situations? And I think that her being really rude like that really pushed me to really get it together because I didn't want that to happen again. So. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah. That's, that's I, I like that answer. That's a great answer. And that actually takes me back to where we started our conversation before the episode started um, and I asked kind of what's the most compelling topic that or the topic that people struggle with the most um, and you talked about people don't like to think about why they think about certain things or have these behaviors or these beliefs um, can we open that up for a minute before it's time to go yeah what 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 do you think why do people struggle with that why is it so hard I say personal people don't like personal development because it's personal um, why do you think people don't want to go there? Um, I think people don't want to go there because they've never gone there with themselves and they don't want to see what that leads to in an open arena. Mm. Be that be on social media, be that in a conversation with another. Um, you know, because sometimes as you unravel your own layers, you um, find things that surprise you. Mm. And I think people are afraid to be transparent because they don't want to, you know, at least unravel those things for the first time in front of others. Um, you want you want to deal with first before you bring it to somebody mm-hmm, else for sure um, yeah but so, they're hard to deal with though <laughs> yeah and I, I mean guess, they're hard to deal with in your own mind and your you know when it's just you alone in the room but never right. mind having to go through that <clears throat> in a public space I think that people are fearful of that mm-hmm. and on the other note I think there are a lot of things people haven't dealt with within themselves and um, is this something that you think is is this necessary for me to come out and tell everybody hey y'all here's what happened in my life because that's not that's not what you're saying um, and that's not what I'm saying to come out and just say hey y'all this is all the things that have happened in my past but um, to be transparent with the people that you are talking to what kind of do you feel like you've done that yourself do you feel like you've opened yourself up to enough to tell the story you're afraid to tell essentially I think I have. I mean, there might be some certain topics, certain areas I haven't completely okay. opened up with so, myself yet. But for the most part, I think I have. Because um, I'm pretty much willing to talk about, you know, whatever, right. whomever. Um, but I don't think it's always necessary for you to be transparent with everyone. I think mm-hmm. you can be selective about that. Um, but I just think in general, most people aren't yeah. transparent because they haven't, with whatever the topic is, whatever, you know, you're mm-hmm. talking about being transparent about, they haven't dealt with it themselves. Yeah. They haven't been real with themselves. That's, so they're not going to be real with other people. That's true. And I think that's that's really the most important part is being transparent with yourself when you can have the conversation 
about why you do what you do, um, then you're able to move forward and into the next steps. Um, what, what advice would you, what kind of feeling, let me say that, what kind of feeling do you get when you are able to um, really just be transparent with yourself first and get to a place where you're comfortable to acknowledge A through Z? I think a feeling of peace. Mm. Um, I think so many people have, you know, such anxiety and have to like this weight is on their shoulders because they're carrying around a bunch of stuff that they just, for whatever reason, uh, refuse to deal with. And I think that once you deal with it, it's kind of just that metaphorical weight off your shoulder. Like once you've addressed it, acknowledged it, dealt with it, okay, this is what it is, then it's not weighing you down. Mm. Um, And so for me, it's always a feeling of relief. You know, when I'm feeling anxious about something, I'm like, okay, Sam, like, get real. Why are you feeling this way? Why are you thinking this way? You know, what's at the root of this? And then once I can really deal with it, be that talking it out with someone else, or for me, it's writing it out, um, really thinking about it, praying, meditating, what have you. Right. um, Then I'm kind of free of that weight, and I just, you know, like, okay, it's dealt with. Okay. And it's it's off of my spirit. Hmm. What are three things that your that your life and your being is, is doing in the world? I don't think that's a good question. Let me gotcha. rephrase that. I get it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think to inspire, um, and I know that can be like cliche, but I, I just want to inspire people to live their le- best life, to motivate them, um, to do whatever it is their heart desires to do. Right. Um, educate, like I said, be that you know, on some deep, serious social or political level, or even, you know, just something trendy in pop culture, just really bringing knowledge to people. Um, and then lastly, I guess to serve, I really like helping people. And in a journalism space, service isn't really a thing, uh, but just in my personal life, you know, if I can help friends with their endeavors, help them find different resources, you know, I just really like to help people in whatever right. way I can. Um, so I think to inspire, um, to help, and to educate are mm. the main things that I'm here to do um, that I'm pretty good at, to be honest. Because, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people come for me for stuff like that. I get right. a lot of me- messages from people who say I inspired them and they want advice. Um, I get a lot of people who ask me questions about different stuff because they know if I don't know the answer, that I'll try my best to research it and find it out for them. Um and even to help people, I get people yeah. who ask me for their help a lot. Um, and so those are the recurring themes of my life, you know, the mm. ways that I see that people use me, yeah. and not in a way that makes me feel drained or whatever. Right. That's just what they own me for. Yeah. Um, so I think those are the, the three main ones because they seem to be a repeating theme. Yeah. It's, it's important to love what you do. Today is the tomorrow we hoped for yesterday. Do what you love. Thank you so much to Sam Callender for coming out and sharing your expertise in this journalism world and and your stories. It's bold to step out and be vulnerable like that, Um, and not just to tell your story, but to share your story with people and know that your story is making a difference. So that's something that's always been powerful for me, and that's something that's amazing to see, to get over that fear of rejection and the fear of losing, and to just go and do it anyway. Go and do what you love. Um, That's what life is about, and that's what life is for. Thank you for tuning in to The Dash. We'll see you next week. This is The Dash.